Well, welcome back to the podcast. I know you could be doing anything in the whole world besides watching this podcast in your very busy December right now, but I really appreciate you spending the time with us. Listen, I listen for me, December is a time where I spend most of my time replacing Christmas lights that are going out and using Christian cuss words. And luckily this year, so far, I have not been electrocuted by anything. And so uh, so I get it. I know you're busy. And again, I just want to say how much I appreciate you hanging out with us. Before we jump into today's topic, I just want to encourage you to go to my website, jimrichmond.net. And make sure that when you first go there and it pops up and asks for an email address, that you give me that email address because that is going to help me stay in touch with you in terms of all the different resources that I'm putting out on a regular basis. So if you want to kind of stay in the know about about church leadership, about church planting, about disciple making, make sure that you are, are filling that form out that pops up when you first log on to jimrichmond.net. Really appreciate that. And I hope also that you'll share the content that you read there. I hope that you'll send it directly to your pastor friends as well and just keep them aware of what's coming out there. But today I want to talk about motivating your staff to go to the next level. And there's different ways that we try to do that, but one of those things that a lot of us have tried to do in the past is to have them set goals for the year, right? And so we say, hey, set a few goals and 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 see how you know, see how how you do meeting those things. We've also said, hey, though they need to be measurable. Like at the end of the year, we need to know if you've met the goal and that kind of thing. But I want to kind of push back on that just a little bit because what we found is as we we found that. Uh, that that's a little bit of a struggle, honestly. Sometimes that that the system that we had at least in place, instead of motivating people, it sometimes kind of demotivated people. Uh, it it kind of felt like we we had like five goals a year that we were working towards, and it and it, it felt like they had to be something brand new outside of our job descriptions. And so for that reason, it felt like we were adding something to our job description every single year, uh, and and that was a struggle. Like because what are you going to do at the end of that year? Are you going to say, hey, this was awesome? This made a huge difference, but it's not my goal for next year, so I'm going to drop it. If not, you're going to set five new goals, and you're going to add the one you had last year that went so well, or the two that you had last year that went so well. You're going to add those to your new job uh, to your job description. You have a new job description with more stuff in it, uh, and so that your already busy job is getting busier and busier and busier, and you're going to end, end up keep uh, continually adding things that are good. Maybe they're good things. Um, you know, or maybe they're they're good, but they're sideways energy. Uh, and so, uh, you know, if, if if you've checked out the podcast on on, on keeping it simple, uh, then then you understand what I'm talking about. You don't want to do that. You don't want to keep adding more and more things. And if you haven't checked that out, I encourage you to go back and listen to our podcast on keeping it simple. Now, another problem with our old system was that our our goals were often lag measures, or they were based on hoping that other people would behave the way that we wanted them to ha- to behave. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, you know, that could kind of turn into into manipulating people, especially towards the end of the year, right? So like an example would be if we said, hey, we would like to see 20 more baptisms at this location this year. Well, you get down towards October, November, December, and, and what are you going to be tempted to do? Here, maybe you've got an amazing disciple-making culture. Maybe you're having great spiritual conversations with people. you got people out there really weighing what it means to follow Jesus and to take that next step and really go all in with Jesus. And instead of, of just continuing those conversations and letting them happen at the rate of how the person's responding to the Holy Spirit, 
how tempting would it be at that point to say, look, we said we need 20 more baptisms to meet our goal this year. So we're going to go and we're going to push for decisions from all those people. We're going we're gonna to say, hey, like you, you need to like decide, like make a decision right now. And so instead of letting them come to the point of, hey, I get what it means to be a real Christ follower, and now I'm all in, we're going to push for a decision. Hey, like, do you want to go to hell or do you want to go to heaven? So make a decision. And they're going to make that decision, but out of the process, in the process, we may not have made a disciple. And that's the difference. And again, we have a whole podcast on that, Decisions versus Disciples. And so, like, you don't want to do that, right? You don't want to short-circuit the disciple-making process because you've got some goal that's dependent upon the actions of other people, right? And so... That's that's a huge issue, you know. Plus, these are often lag measures, right? We get to the end of the year and we say, "Well, how many baptisms did we have?" Well, we had seventeen. We didn't have twenty. Okay, well, like, what what can you do about that at this point? There's nothing you can do about it. You're just looking back, saying, "This is what happened," uh, as opposed to saying, "These are the things I'm going to do that I feel like will lead to those things." And so, we're going to get into that uh, in in just a moment. So what I want to do is I want to introduce you to an amazing book. If you haven't already read it, I want to introduce you to the book called Four Disciplines of Execution by Chris McChesney and Sean Covey. Fantastic book. This book will change the way your organization sets goals and continues to improve. And so quickly, let me tell you what the four disciplines of execution are, and then I want to tell you why I I find this system so helpful. Okay, So the first one is, these are regular disciplines that that are going to help you get the most important things done. Okay, The first one is focus on the wildly important goal. Wildly important goal. Now this may sound like just another way to say set a goal, but it's not. What we're talking about is we're, we're asking the question, what is the one thing in our organization or in our area of ministry that if it could change drastically or it was drastically improved would absolutely take everything to the next level? So we're at this is a big question, right? Like, what's the one thing? What's the one thing that's holding us back? What's the one thing that if it was improved, we would just be crushing it? Like, right? And, and so what is that one now, there, there may be a lot of goals that you have, but what's the absolute one thing? And uh, if you run a business, it might be, uh, you know, that, that, that it's, uh, you know, your business is totally dependent upon sales, right? And so it might be training your sales team. Maybe you've noticed that your sales team is is not well trained. They don't succeed. You have a ton of turnover. And then you have to just keep focusing on onboarding more people, and and the training's not very good. You know, so maybe you realize, hey, if we train these people really well and we support them and we have systems to do that, then it would drastically change. We would keep people. They would be successful. That would just our business would explode if 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 we could do that. Uh, and and so that might be in ministry. It might be an issue with volunteers that's holding everything back right now, or it might be finances. That are holding everything back, or it might be that your church doesn't have a culture of making disciples. So, you know, you haven't seen a baptism in, in quite a while. So, what's that one thing? The second discipline is act on the lead measures. We talked earlier about lag measures, right? You set a goal at the end of the year, you measure it, and and you just look and say, did we meet it or did we not? But a lead measure means that you take your wildly important goal and you ask, what behaviors will lead to that wildly important goal happening? What, are, what measurable behaviors that I can do on a regular basis will lead towards that wildly important goal happening? 
And, and, and then those behaviors become your goals, if you will. That, hey, these, these, are the, these are the four things that I feel like will accomplish uh, what our wildly important goal is. And they're measurable. So I'm going to do them on our, my, my goal, so to speak, is to do those on a regular basis and to actually keep track of that. And if you followed me for any length of time, you've heard me say that after sending about 130 people out over about a four-year span to start other churches or other locations for us, um, our original campus was struggling to be missional. And, and so just to kind of give you an example of what this looks like, to say here's the wildly important goal and here's some lead measures, uh, you know, we were, we were slowly training disciple makers, but many times we were giving them away to new starts, right? I mean, who wants to go to a new startup, right? Somebody who's missional, somebody who loves Jesus, somebody who's all in, and those are, those are disciple makers, right? Those people are, are, are your best disciple makers. And so we were constantly giving those people away while we were trying to create this culture at the original campus. And so it just wasn't taking. And so what, what I, the way I always explain it is, is we had burnout founders at the first campus. Like these are people that 10 years ago had started the, the first campus, had poured everything they had into starting that campus and had done an amazing job and had done three or four volunteer positions and they were tired. And so we had burnout founders. And then we also had what I would say is kind of consumers. Uh, people who just were along for the ride, they liked what we did, but they weren't so sold on it that they wanted to be a part of making it happen. If they had, they probably would have gone to one of the other uh, new campuses, right? They would have been so excited to, to start that culture and spread that culture somewhere else. Uh, so they were just kind of along for the ride, and they liked they liked the product that we were putting out. Um, and honestly, after we started starting other churches, they kind of liked that product even le- even less. Like They were like, hey, I thought this was going to be a, like a mega church. So what do you mean you're sending out community churches? Like so, so we we had a we had an issue. Like we we were struggling uh, be, because of that. And so for me, the 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 wig, the the last full year that I led the original campus, my, one of my wigs was I we got to, we got to bring a missional disciple making attitude and 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 culture back to this campus. Like that is essential. We've done a great job of, 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 of starting that way. We've done a great job of sending people out that way, but this campus has become burnout founders and consumers. And like, I'm not going to live like that, right? I'm here to make a difference. And so, uh, so one of my lead measures for that was I, I just decided, you know what? I, I, I want to do something that will hold people accountable for at least thinking about and praying about how they could make a difference or they could make a disciple or they could they could pour into somebody. So what I did was was uh, at the first of the year I said, "Hey, everybody write down one name of a person that you want to see God work in, that you want to see God make a difference, you want to see their lives changed by the power of Jesus Christ like like write one name down, one name for his name is what we called it." And so uh, they 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 wrote that down. Actually, they got a really good stack, which I was surprised. It seemed like that for our original campus, if we needed to raise money for something, we could always do that. But if we were doing something missional, it didn't feel like they jumped on board as much. And so, uh, so I was really excited. Got a nice big stack. And so, one of my lead measures that year, goals, if you will, was that every single week I'm going to contact three of those names, the the church attenders, and I'm going to say, hey, you wrote this person's name down. I just wondered, where are things there? Like, how do you see God working that person? Have you had any conversations with that person? Uh, you know, where do you, what do you feel like the next step is for them spiritually? And so that's, that's, that's the approach that we took. We just said, hey, you know, every, three people a week that, that wrote those names down. How are things going? How can, I, how can I support you? How can I pray for you? How can I help you help that person? 
we ended up having amazing coaching conversations, uh, disciple-making coaching conversations with so many people that, that year. Now, some people didn't answer. They never said anything back. It was fine. But, but a few people a month would say, hey, actually, I can't believe you just emailed me or texted me about this because I just had a conversation yesterday and I don't know where to go from here. And it gave me the opportunity to coach people on their disciple-making. And as a result, we saw people saved. We saw people that have been saved through that, that now to this day are baptizing other people. Uh, So we just saw an amazing transformation through that one lead measure. And I actually had a couple other lead measures that year as well. But, But that was one that just really, really, really seemed to knock it out of the park. Now, the third discipline of execution is keep a scoreboard. Uh, in, in the book, they talk about actually creating a physical scoreboard that you can look at uh, on a regular basis. And the first year that we did this, I actually had a poster in, in in my office, and so I wrote a three down for every week. I contacted three people for that lead measure. Again, I had I had a couple other lead measures, but that was one of the things that that I had out there. And every single week, I would write a three down. And you know what would happen? Towards the end of the week, it could be Thursday. I would look, and that 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 box was still empty. And it would push me and it would remind me, hey, I don't want that box to stay empty, right? I, I want to be able to write a three in that. I've got to get that done. And so it might be late on Friday that I'm firing off three emails saying, hey, uh, yeah, what, what, what's going on with the person that you wrote down? But I, I, I almost never forgot to do it because it was always in front of me. I was always thinking about it. Now, where we are now is we actually keep a uh, spreadsheet uh, on Google Sheets with a tab for every staff member and each campus has their own uh, worksheet and, and each, each person has a tab and they have their lead measures there. And every single week or monthly, whatever, however that, that goal breaks out, they're checking it off, explaining what they did there. And, and so for, you know, for some people looking at regular progress on a scoreboard is extremely motivating. Now for some people it's not, it's not that motivating, but for some people it really is. And so the fourth thing is create a cadence of accountability. And that just means your team should regularly be talking about how everyone is doing on their lead measures. Um, It's like setting up a home budget, right? You you go to all the trouble to figure out where you stand and how much you can allot to this and allot to that. And then if you don't actually ever talk about that budget or go back to it or manage that budget, then it's just all that upfront setup was not worth anything. And so it's the same kind of way. You're going to lead your your campus to talk about wildly important goal and then, uh, or your church or your organization to talk about a wildly important goal, then you're going to lead them to each pick a lead measure that leads to that and you're not going to talk about it anymore well nothing's going to come out of it so uh it'll just fade away so why is this better than just setting goals and i've already talked about some of the reasons that i I feel that way i've talked about the idea that you're you're measuring things that will make things happen right that's that's pretty cool not just measuring to see if they did happen right uh, but also, you're specifically efforting toward things that you believe will get you to your wildly important goal. So it's basically a plan, right? A lot of times we have goals, but we don't have plans. And, and saying, oh, I have a goal that by the end of this year, I hope to be in this position, but you don't have a plan to get there, you're not going to get there, right? Uh, also, the system is, uh, you know, instead of coming up with brand new initiatives every year, you can come up with lead measures that will drastically improve existing systems and programs uh, if you feel like that's your wig, right? If you're like, hey, like we don't need to come up with a whole new group system, but our groups need 
X, Y, Z. And that's that's our wildly important goal. Groups need to be... Well, you can put some lead measures in place to make your current system better. And at the end of the year, you don't have a whole new system or a whole new initiative that you have to continue the next year. You could literally say, hey, that worked pretty well for, for, for uh, this year. Next year, I have the same wildly important goal, but I'd like to, I'd like to do different lead measures um, to, to, to lead into that. Um, another key part of the system is to have employees decide on their wildly important goal and then come up with their lead measures, those ongoing habits that they're going to do to reach that goal. And, and so this just means that you should have a lot of buy-in when it comes to the wildly important goals and, and lead measures. Now, I understand you can't always have everybody in the room when you're talking about an overall organizational wildly important goal. And it might be that you, as the leader, like you set the wildly important goal or you and an executive team or whatever sets the wildly important goal. And then every uh, division or every department is is is, is their their goal is to come up with what their wildly important goal is that will make that wildly important goal happen. Like in our department, what's our part of that goal, and then come up with their lead measures. But as much as they can be a part of that process, they have buy-in. They're they're coming up with saying, "Hey, I think this is what needs to happen to make this situation great." Um, and, and, and really, a lot of times, it's the people on the ground that are actually doing the work. that They actually know what needs to be changed. And they're, they feel very valued to have the opportunity to, say, to, to speak into that and say, hey, thanks for checking with me about, about what could drastically change this. Yeah, you know, these are the things that we think could make a massive difference. This is what we're seeing from, from our perspective. And so it can be really, 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 really valuable for them to have that input. Plus, because they have that input, they're on board with, hey, this needs to happen. Another big advantage is that you're doing things that you can control and and your goal is not dependent on other people behaving a certain way that you don't know if you can make them behave that way or not. We kind of touched on this earlier. Uh, But for instance, if you said, well, I'm going to train and deploy five new group leaders this year. Well, you can't say that. You don't know. You don't know. You could work your brains out this year. You could you could meet with all kinds of people. You could ask all kinds of people, and they could all tell you no. But you know what you could say? You could say, I'm going to meet with one person a month and just talk about our vision for groups and how rewarding it is to lead one and see what, what happens out of that. And then I'm going to follow the person I met with up and just check back with them. Now, that one's still a little bit dependent upon other people. If you can't get 12 people a year to meet with you one time, right, then you're not going to meet your goal. But, or you're not going to fulfill your lead measures. And I, I get that. But still, the chances are probably you can, you can get in front of 12 people in, in a year and, and talk to them about, about groups. Or, you know, it might be, hey, I'm going to put out a promo every single month talking about how it makes a difference in a group leader's life to, to, to have the opportunity to lead a group or, uh, or the, the, the difference that groups makes so that when I have recruiting conversations, those promos have been out there and people have been primed and people have, have been inspired by this. And, and that's not dependent on anybody. You can make promos without any, you know, but you feel like, hey, this could lead to more group leaders, right? Uh, and so it, it, hopefully that makes sense is, is, again, you're not setting goals that are just like, hey, I'd like to have 20 baptisms. I'd like to have five more group leaders by the end of the year. Those are my goals. Well, what's your plan, right? What's your plan for that? Because you, you don't know. You can't force people to be baptized. You can't force people to become group leaders. So what's your plan, right? Very, very, very important. Uh, in my in my previous uh, illustration, right, no, it wasn't dependent on anybody for me to send three emails or texts uh, a, a week to say, "Hey, how are you doing with uh, this person that you've been praying for?" Like, 
I'm, I'm, I may get no response. That wasn't my lead measure. My lead measure was I, I'm going to contact them. There's going to be a, a kind of a subtle accountability there where I'm offering to assist them and help them and pray for them, uh, for their friend, but they may not they may not text me back. They may not email me back, and that's fine because I'm betting on the fact that that regular emphasis is going to remind people that they should be looking for opportunities to let God use them and make a difference in somebody else's life, and I think that's going to help change the culture. Right now, it turned out we got a great response, but it wasn't dependent on the response. It was I felt like that it was the action, the constant uh, habitual action that was going to make a difference in our culture. So, uh, the the greatest advantage that that uh, you know I think about this is that you're actually doing things that are going to make a difference rather than just saying you want to accomplish something and then not having a plan to do that. And I think that's so huge. One other thing I want to address. When it comes to this idea of four disciplines of execution and and lead measures and lag measures and goals is is just this: what happens if the lead measure doesn't turn out to to actually lead to any progress towards your wig or your wildly important goal? What happens at that point? Well, first of all, I want to say this: if it becomes clear in the middle of the year that your lead measures aren't helping accomplish the wildly important goal, change them. Right, you can still chart, and if you have to hand it in for your bonus at the end of the year, what you can still say, I did all these actions in the first six months, but the the last six months I did this different action because that action wasn't working, and I just I just looked at it and realized that that's not accomplishing what I want to accomplish. I felt like this these lead measures or this lead measure would actually accomplish it better, and I changed, and that's that's I think you got to have the flexibility to do that. Secondly. Evaluating how effective a lead measure was should be a part of your ongoing accountability, right? Like that, we talked about that creating that culture of, of constant accountability for this. Um, so th- that th- that should be a part of that. Like, how is that going? Do you feel like that's making a difference? Like, you're doing a great job of fulfilling your lead measures, but do you feel like it's making a difference? And it also should be a part of your annual evaluations. Like when you come and you're like, okay, how did your lead measures go this year? Okay, excellent. Did you? That's one question. You're going to get credit for doing what you were supposed to do. You know, you, we approved it. Like we felt like that your plan was solid, and we all went with it, and you did it. That's great. But how effective was it? And that you, you, that's not going to affect your bonus or your pay or anything like that. But how effective was it? Now, maybe that wildly important goal is still your wildly important goal. So next year, we're going to try a whole different lead measure. We're going to do something different. And typically, lead measures are going to change anyway because sometimes certain aspects of that wildly important goal get accomplished in one year by a lead measure. So it's okay to say there's another kind of aspect of that that I'd like to tackle and I want to do it this way. So it should be a part of your yearly evaluation to kind of look at that and say, how did this work and do we need to change it up a little bit? So I would encourage you, pick up the book, um, maybe have your entire team read it. Uh, it may take a couple years to get used to this change uh, in approach, but uh, I will promise you it's going to be so much more effective than just saying, hey, pick a couple goals a year and let's see at the end of the year if you hit them. So thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share if you enjoy the content. Uh, we'll see you next month.